0: Welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith.
1: I'm David Bax.
0: Thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing?
1: Um, feeling, uh, um, I guess, righteously angry. Um, oh, all right. Uh, um, well, uh, did you read uh, or, or at least see the uh, Hollywood Reporter story about Scott Rudin?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I saw that there was a story about him. I was wondering how long it was going to take people to get to him uh, because there have been stories about him for years.
1: Yeah. When I was a PA in 2006, it was like horror stories about working for Scott Rudin would would circulate uh, among the the community. And I'm glad because I I think the reason it took there's I mean, I'm sure stuff will come out, but most of these allegations are not like sexual harassment. That's obviously where the focus has been for the last few years. Um, It's just
0: general monstrosity. uh,
1: Yeah. And we didn't know there is um, racist stuff. We knew that from the, um, the Sony email links that he uh, said um, uh, racist things, but uh, just in general, the idea of the tyrant producer um, is I don't know where the Ouroboros begins if, you know, because swimming with sharks is said to be based on Scott Rudin, but obviously that stereotype goes back before. So I'm not sure uh, exactly where he comes into it, but he was clearly the, and I guess is uh, the standard bearer in terms of currently active producers who are abusive to people they work for
0: or people who work for them. Um, I remember hearing that story where, he was angry with like an assistant of his and they're driving up in the Hollywood Hills. And then he like made the assistant get out of the car and then he just drove away. Yeah. abandoned him on the side of the yeah. road. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I just, I, it makes me very angry, even though I have to admit, like I, when I was in that sort of underclass, like Hollywood underclass, I didn't have any terrible stories like that. Right. But in general, the way that this industry the attitude this industry has about like, you have to like pay your dues. You have to earn it, which means you have to like go through years of being paid absolute shit and abused, um, uh, you know, (laughs) emotionally and verbally often Um, that's pervasive. Scott Rudin is the worst of it, obviously, but this is how the industry thinks of itself because they think that they're so important, but
0: uh, you're not saving lives here. You know, that's the big thing. Like, I think there is that attitude of like hey this is kind of like boot camp you know like this is a tough business and we got to toughen you up and and see how how committed you are to this thing. It's like okay well I get that with boot camp because they're going to they're going to ostensibly go to war. Right? Right. And the thing they're going to is infinitely worse than the thing they're dealing with now. Yeah. Whereas if you actually do make it in the film business it is a tough business obviously but it's not automatically going to be that way. Like it's that way only if people make it that way. And, but it's that, it's that insistence that like, and I recognize they're dealing with a lot of money. So in that way, it's like, well, we don't want to do something. We don't want to rely on somebody who's going to lose us a lot of money. So it's like, okay, that I get to a certain extent. But as you said, like it, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous business in many ways yeah. and it's, and it's not serious, but it's this, I it's that idea. I remember there's something that I, Anytime I'm I'm driving, because I live right off the 405, so uh, I'll often uh, drive on the 405. And there'll be someone, I hate to say it, often with an extremely nice car who's like weaving in and out of traffic and easily going like 90 and is genuinely endangering people. And in my mind, I always think that the guy is saying, you guys don't understand. I have somewhere to be. And that is how I picture Hollywood. That is how I picture producers. It's like they... They think that their work is just somehow more, like more important, elevated, more consequential than everybody else's. And thus, however, whatever it is that it takes to do what they need to do you're just going to have to live with it because we I'm very important. And, uh, sorry, I, 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 that was more of a tirade than I meant to, it meant it to be.
1: No, but yeah, it's, we're on the same page here. Um, because I, I, I hate that. I hate the, the, um, the, I remember one time I was a PA, I was an office PA on a movie and yet somehow me and another PA found us found ourselves spending our entire day packing up our producer's wine collection at her home and shipping it to her vacation home um and like it wasn't like it was on, everything
0: on, on, you just said there it's yeah. just like every new part of that sentence yeah. made the person richer and richer
1: yeah but it's like the actual day like we got out of the office for a day for a day it was like kind of fun to figure out like how do you ship wine and like i'm pretty sure we did it illegally but it got sure. there and it was fine but just the fact that like the a PA is treated as like that, that had nothing to do with the movie I was working on. That was just what the producer wanted us to do. And we're free labor, you, Yeah, you know, that or not at least free to her. I mean, we were getting paid by the production, not, not a great, uh, a, a great deal. Um, that's another thing that the, if you like the way the PAs are, are paid, uh, is, uh, not legal
0: for the most yeah. part. Um, I was an unpaid intern at two different production, uh, uh, stu- uh, companies. And at the second one, it was not at all uncommon for me to, uh, have to take the producer's car to go get washed. I didn't have to do the washing, but I still had to do that. And of course just, icing on the cake every time i would like, because he always wanted me to do it at about the same time it only happened like maybe four times but like it was always at the same time of day and so i would turn on the car tom Likas. like it was oh, tuned into. it's like boy that's just the isn't that just the perfect thing yeah yeah uh, a guy that um, i was unfamiliar with until that moment and i immediately started doing an impression of him but uh but yeah so uh that's
1: perfect all right, well, uh, before yeah so this is uh, the, the i'm glad that um scott Rudin is being exposed and the fact that like I, i'm telling you know I, i'm telling you 15 years ago people were telling stories about him he's been yeah. working longer than that like if this really breaks like there's just going to be a fucking cavalcade of shit about him <laughs> coming out if, 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 oh, yeah. if his former assistants start talking a lot, a lot of them like legally can't um right as, a, as if you read that uh, great hollywood reporter uh articles you find out that uh yeah they uh, have signed non-disparagement and uh um what's the uh, non-disclosure uh, agreements um you, the, qu- you're, uh,
0: the question is if this is not a sexual horror if this is not a harvey weinstein situation and it is as i said general monstrosity is that enough for him to not get work in the future
1: i mean there are because there are um, there's the racist
0: thing i guess yes there is and that. there
1: also are like physical uh, uh abuse okay like throwing things at people at one point sure. he um and this is the this is the story that leads off the hollywood reporter uh article that a um an assistant failed to get him a seat on a fully booked flight and he grabbed the assistant's hand and shoved it against the computer scene screen so hard it shattered the computer screen and cut up the producer or the assistant's. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's, that's um, enough. I think yeah. um, that assistant apparently ended up with multiple associate producer credits as, uh, as payment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, it's not funny, but, um, your traffic story reminded me of a story that it's a secondhand story, but I love to tell it. I might have told in the podcast before Back When I first moved out here, uh, my girlfriend at the time was a receptionist at a like hip expensive salon. Like the, yeah. The, the kind of place where like a, I'm not saying this person did go there because I can't remember, but the type of place that like a Rose McGowan type might go, you know what I mean? Like famous, but like, (laughs) got it. Like alt, you know, or whatever. Mm Um, and uh um and it was like on melrose it was in a hip uh, neighborhood and on the day of award shows they'd be booked up months in advance you know um uh because uh, you know everyone uh who's going to the shows is getting their hair hair done up and she had a, a woman called um um on the day of the Emmys and was like, I need you to get me in today. And my ex-girlfriend was like trying not to laugh at her. Like, we don't yeah. have any, we, we've been booked up for a long time. And this woman said, you don't understand. I'm going to the Emmys. <laughs> just, everyone in the building who's not a hairdresser or a receptionist is yeah. going to the Emmys. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, there! Was, I and won't say the, any names. I'll tell you off Mike. There was apparently, yeah. there, was an, there was another regular client, uh, a famous person who would uh, regularly do that. Just show up or call when she was 10 minutes out and, and say, I'm uh, yeah. coming in. Uh, if you remind me, I will tell you off mic who that was.
0: That's the thing that gets me about that. Cause it's like, oh, I'm going to the Emmys. And you want to say like, did they just announce when they were, or did you just get invited? <laughs> yeah. Like Yeah it's that's the you know it's like yeah, even, somebody else's
1: uh plus uh plus one uh, <laughs> right
0: yeah <laughs>
1: uh, yeah josh Demel's wife is homesick and uh
0: <laughs> that is the perfect that is the perfect uh, for, the, for the
1: time yeah. for the time that this was 2006 yeah,
0: yeah. okay
1: uh all right, all right. now uh, david well, what we, are we doing uh, well first i want to tell you about oh, um right. Well, I want to tell you about our book. Our books are still available. That's uh, right. Battleship Pretension presents the top one, the 101 best movies of the 2010s. Uh, also, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Battleship Pretension. Uh, we talked about the TV we've been watching uh, the, this, this past week. Um, uh, but... Uh, uh, for as far as actual sponsors, I want to tell you about TweakedAudio.com. TweakedAudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. I'm using mine today. You can I don't know if you can tell, Tyler, they're green because everything... Oh, yes. Uh, uh, this little corner of my apartment is entirely green. I'm in a green chair with a green wall. I'm wearing a green shirt today. Yeah. Um, uh, there's plants behind me. Uh, very, very, very green. Uh, as Scott, uh, Nye likes to say, it looks like I'm in the matrix. Yes, very much. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I use the Matrix every day today. I was listening. Have you heard about this? Uh, uh, Tyler, I've, uh, I've become, um, pretty big fan of Taylor Swift actually okay. um and uh one of the things that's very cool uh, that she is is doing is that basically she lost the rights to all her like early albums or, like to the recording she still owns the songs as far as like you know she can perform them and, and do whatever she wants with them but the actual recordings of the of her first of her early albums she um lost uh, uh in a lawsuit she's not happy about it and so what she's What she's doing is... One by one, re-recording her early albums uh, okay. to, and and so she can say to her fans here, buy these, stream these, do whatever you know. Yeah. Don't don't let these uh, assholes who are uh, holding on to my uh, the the rights to these recordings uh, have <laughs> all the money. And so uh, the first one is coming out. This I guess by the time you're hearing this is is already out. Um, and in addition, because she's doing like these deluxe editions, um, she's also like re-release or or not releasing releasing stuff that was. From, those, from that time period that was never released before. So um, a new song came out uh, just this week called Mr. Perfectly Fine, which is uh, from her, her her younger days, and it was fun uh, to hear that. It sounded great. on my at audio.com Earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Tyler yes let's get into it shall we this is one of my favorite episodes of the year uh and it was an episode uh, it was your idea an episode which yes yes you invented um it, it, so uh last week we talked about our favorite individual achievements in in film in the year 2020 next year next week we will do our full um best of actual best films of the year including uh honorable mentions overrated underrated and worst uh it'll be a big long uh episode uh but today we're going to talk about movies that won't be on any that don't fall into any of those categories that didn't get as much attention as we would have liked this past year but that we really like it's an episode that again tyler came up with it's called through the cracks so what we're doing is through the cracks 2020 once again let's get into it shall we
0: yeah so here's the problem. Uh, because of my, uh, recent, uh, fatherhood, um, I guess not that recent anymore. That's the crazy thing about it. Um, it's been six months. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I did not, s- I haven't seen really that many movies of 2020. So you just mentioned <laughs> that we talk about, what is it? 18, 18, mo- 18 movies. Okay. Makes now 18 movies 18, not- movies, 18 movies is not that many, um, and even then I've seen notably more than that, but it's like, Oh shoot. So it has to be something that I like enough to recommend, but it can't be in my top 15. Um, and it has to be something that people maybe haven't heard of or don't know much about. And so it's just like, Oh shoot. Uh, so like I was left with maybe like seven movies to talk about and, and, there's maybe of, of those, I, of course I had to narrow that down to five. And even then of those three, uh, like there, of those there are maybe only two or three that are genuinely through the cracks that I fully recommend. Okay. So there's a lot of caveats here. And so, uh, I've, I've been kind of dreading this episode, um, oh. because, uh, cause yeah, like, like for example, one of the movies that, uh, it it did not make it into my is not going to make it into my top 15 is the trial of the Chicago seven. Yeah. Not exactly through the cracks. I think people know about it. (laughs) Uh, Same with tenant and promising young woman and soul. Uh, And then, then you start, then it's like, okay, I'm working my way down. Oh, now I've gotten into movies that I don't actually recommend. Uh, And so it's, it's uh, a bit of a tightrope for me, but, uh, but I did find five that I more or less, Recommend?
1: Uh, I think similarly, I had fewer to pick from than I normally do uh, uh, this year, but how about? Since you don't stand by yours as much, how about you start? Sure. Uh, so we'll kick things off with, are you ranking yours? Cause I, I did rank my, I am counting down five to one, but that's not, that's, didn't essentially, talk that beforehand.
0: that's essentially what I'm doing as well. Yes. i okay. um, just going from like the, the order of, of my larger list. Um, so we will start off with an HBO documentary that of course I, I would say, Oh, I talked about it at the time. It's like, yes, we do mo- the movie journal. I talked about all of these at the time. Yeah. Um, uh, Seth Porges, P-O-R-G-E-S, Porges, I don't know. Um, and Chris Charles Scott III directed uh, Class Action Park. It's a documentary about Action Park. A, uh, uh, I think I want to say it was in New Jersey, but now I don't actually. I think it's New Jersey. Um, And it's this uh, it's this amusement park that was not run particularly well. And that was actually kind of a big a big uh, selling point for the guy who ran it. He didn't like the idea of of rules and regulations. And in fact, a, a, a sort of a running idea throughout is that both for the people that attended and grew up going to this place and then the people that ran it this was meant to sort of be like the essence of childhood where you you it's like oh you get into trouble you fall and, and you scrape your knees and all that sort of thing and like yeah you get a little bit banged up but you sure did have a fun time and it's like yeah that's fine but if you're the guy in charge you shouldn't try to recreate that yeah. experience for you for people um and so it interviews a lot of people probably most notably chris gethard who is you know a i think a very funny stand-up yeah and i and it it, it keeps cutting to him because frankly he's he's really fun to listen to and the way he sums things up is, is a lot of fun. And it interviews people that, that went there when they were kids or people that worked there. Um, and there is this sense of, of fun uh, and, and, and this, this sense of like, can you fucking believe this? Like that's, that might as well be like the, the, the tagline of the film, but I think wisely because there, there were a couple fatalities at this place. Mm. All right. And I think very wisely, there comes a point in the film where the directors are like, look, we could act all the act as though this, this was just a, a goof the whole time. But there are people, there are families who don't, who, who lost someone because of the, the, the lack of, of oversight at mm-hmm. this place. And so, um, so I do like that. And I like when it comes in the film, like it's a, it's a little bit sobering. Um, and it does want, and it does, maybe, maybe it's a little bit forced, but it does sort of towards the end, take this, this, this attitude of like this very specific thing, rep this park action park, like it represents a lot of things to a lot of people. Uh, and it's something that hadn't really happened before and has not happened since and for some, and depending on who you were and your experience of it, like that is a shame. And for other people, they only wish that it had not happened at all, you know? And so it's an interesting, it's an interesting documentary. Um, it's structured exactly like you would expect where it's just a lot of, a lot of, uh, archival footage mixed with talking heads. It's not breaking any new ground there, but the subject is interesting and the structure is interesting. So, um, so I, I'd recommend it.
1: Uh, all right. number no, I guess number five uh, for me, uh, this one is kind of, uh, I'm not sure how much it qualifies as through the, through the cracks because, uh, well, here's my justification. Look, the Small Axe series in general got talked about a lot, but most of the talk was devoted to Lover's Rock and Mangrove. Lover's sure. Rock was the clear uh, favorite among a lot of people. Mangrove was the big the most movie-ish, uh, uh, biggest, uh, one of those. And those were the first two episodes, uh, released, but I want to focus on episode number four, Alex Weedle. I don't think, or Weedle, I don't think it got enough, uh, 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 attention. I would put it actually probably second, uh, behind lovers rock. If I were ranking the, uh, small X episodes, but, um, uh, it's, it's about, um, Alex Weedle is a real person or is, I think he's still alive, uh, a, a real person uh, who's a writer. The movie takes place entirely before he writes anything. It's, it's about him. Uh, he was raised in an orphanage in uh, Surrey, um, uh, which um, is a, especially at that time in the seventies, uh, uh, probably, I don't know, possibly still today is very white part of, um, uh, of, of England uh, near, near London. Um and then once he came of age, he moved to the Brixton neighborhood of London, which uh, was uh, very uh, uh, West Indian, very black, which where, you know, most of the uh, small films take place from 60s, 70s and 80s um, among uh, black Londoners. Um, and so here you've got a person who ostensibly from the outside fits in there, but it's very much uh, uh, new to, to to this uh to this, to this setting, and so um, the the biopic aspects of it are to me secondary to uh, of of all of the the small X films. I think Alex weedle does the best at establishing a sense of of place. So much of the film takes place with Alex just out on the street. He like is meeting a friend. He's walking to and from. Uh, uh, parties or record shops he loves uh he he, he comes to love reggae he spends a lot of time at, at record shops there's like street vendors uh, uh, outside and there's like uh, the the sense of 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 neighborhood of place, place the sense of community is stronger in alex weedle than in any of the five uh the other four uh small x films um there's uh it's a uh, again the movie has you know Biopic uh, elements, and he goes to prison at one point. The uh, Steve McQueen recreates the um, uh, there was a, a Brixton protest turned turned riot um, uh, that that he recreates. But really, there's it, the the film is at it's best uh, as a a slice of life you know there's a uh, uh, for all of the like dramatic things that happen in the movie you asked me what's your favorite scene i'm going to say oh the part where he goes over to his friend's house for christmas dinner like is my favorite scene cuz it's just like there's not enough table like seats for everyone at the table so people are just sort of like sitting in the living room like with their plate on their lap you know because there's so many people there and like they're arguing like how you got two pieces of chicken i only have one like it's it's just a great like sense of 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 people that that sort of altman-esque overlapping uh uh uh, or just overlapping existence among among people in the same place uh yeah so i definitely think uh, i feel like i'm not living up to the spirit of through the cracks because small x obviously got a lot of attention but i think people were kind of sleeping on alex weedle
0: no i i i definitely think especially when it's like oh well there are five things five movies in this in this project uh for lack of a better term and when people are talking about four of them uh or two really really, but like the one that they're not talking about hey it sounds to me like it slipped through the cracks uh okay so for uh for my next one is i is uh, william eubanks underwater um oh, okay which which i wanted to see i'm very glad that i did see it's not perfect um by any stretch uh yeah, perfect movies are boring and that's kind of true yeah <laughs> um especially because it's it's this idea it's like okay you've got it's like alien it's like the thing and all of this stuff um where you're it's an underwater uh, research station and then uh, an earthquake uh, kills a lot of the researchers and and everybody else like, Oh, we have to get out of here. But along, but along the way, they also encounter uh, this creature that is now terrorizing them and, or a, a number of creatures that are terrorizing them. And so they have to try to get to safety. And it's like, it's hard enough with the water uh you know being like what is it like five miles under the the uh, the water um but also they have to navigate this other thing and so you know the story is nothing you haven't seen before but that's actually in a way i think that can be an opportunity for a director to just be like, all right, well, we're not breaking any new ground here. So at the very least, let's see what we can do as far as suspense. And one thing that they do that I love is the earthquake happens. I'm going to say about a minute in, uh, like you, you really only, it starts Kristen Stewart, uh, and, you really only get a chance to see her like at the very, at the very beginning, she's like essentially just starting her day. And then I don't think, I don't even remember if there's any dialogue and then bam, like this thing happens. And there's just something about immediately being thrown into that. And you're getting to know characters along the way. And one of the things that I really like is that, um, You know, the dangers come from all sides. Like there's, there's a, a a scene where the characters have to, it's, it's early on and the characters have to like descend in an elevator and one guy realizes too late that there's a crack in his helmet. And so as they're descending, like the pressure just immediately kills him. And this is a guy that we really thought was going to be right there with everybody else. And then it just kills him like that. And it's like, it's not even the creature at this point. Like it's just the situation and it just stuff like that really helps you to realize how precarious everything is. Um, and, you know, the art direction is really good in just some of the sequences and especially the way it uses darkness, because unless one of these characters is providing a light, you're not going to see anything. And so there are moments where uh, darkness is used so wonderfully. And the idea of it's like, oh, well, we've made we we've made it out of our collapsing research station. But now we're in the open ocean mm. and that's really horrifying. And. Uh, you know, and then as, 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 as we get towards the ending, like the ending is, I'd say fine, but, uh, but the journey there is really, really fun and, and very scary. And if you enjoyed this type of movie, uh, you could do a lot worse than underwater.
1: All right. Uh, next up for me is a movie that I talked about in a very recent movie journal. So, uh, bear with me if I repeat myself, but it's, uh, John Hyams alone, uh, okay. The the uh, uh, thriller about a, a woman uh, on the run from a um, kidnapper uh, in the I'm guessing Pacific Northwest woods. Okay, I can't remember if the movie makes clear where it is. Um, but uh, this is very much a, a movie from the all killer no filler uh, school of, sure. of, of of filmmaking. Like uh, from the from the jump, you, you know before before we've even seen the kidnapper, when he's just a silhouette in another car on the highway, the tension is just like, boom, like, you know, it doesn't, John Hyams doesn't rely on, on, on the dialogue or or anything, just the way that he's uh, filming the music he's using the way that, that he's uh, uh, cutting between the, the cars the, 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 the tension is there, uh, from the beginning and um, uh, the, cause as I said, on the movie journal, John Hyams is known as an action director. Um, and that sense of us rooting for a hero, like you get in an action movie, you, you know, um, the, uh, and I can, now I'm forgetting her name, something Wilcox uh, is the the lead uh, actress, but she's, she's not a traditional action uh, hero in that she's you know a at first she's kind of a damsel in distress but then you know there's no one no one coming to save her she has to save uh herself but we we root for her the way we would root for a you know a john mcclain or uh a, <laughs> you know uh insert whatever uh, action lead uh jules wilcox is the actress's uh name um uh, yeah, there's 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 not a wasted moment uh, in the in entire film, and as harrowing as it can be, uh, it's also quite rousing. So uh, I would say watch alone. It's on Hulu right now. Go watch it right now.
0: I'm not you, the listener. Oh, okay, all right. All right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so next for me is a movie that you know in retrospect. So I think uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, I think I put it as uh, Rotten, and I think I probably I don't know if it's possible to change that Um, but I think I probably would Um, once again not a perfect film but it is Patrick Volrath's 7500 or 7500 whatever you want to say uh, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and he plays a uh, uh, an American co-pilot for a a commercial airline Uh, and it's it's a flight from Berlin to I want to say Paris and uh, and there's a, a, a terrorist hijacking, and um, he and a terrorist actually like gets into the into the cockpit and and incapacitates the the main pilot, and then he incapacitates the the terrorist, and then he gets the door shut, and everybody else is left. The rest of the terrorists are left, you know outside the the cockpit and so he's in this situation where it's like all they want to do is get in there because they want obviously control of the plane uh which is the one which he absolutely can't give them for so much for a number of reasons but they're in this position now it's like oh okay well if you don't do this we're just going to start killing people out here and so so he's he's in this situation where he's also talking to you know the authorities and they're you know they're They're saying like, you absolutely can't let them in, but they're also, they're trying to be sympathetic to his situation. And, uh, and so, and then the, the story takes a turn where it's like, okay, you're, you're not fully committing to, it it feels like the, the director isn't fully trusting his premise, Mm. um, and wants to kind of cheat a little bit. Uh, but that's, you know. And even the way he does that is, is kind of okay. It's more just the fact that he does it that frustrated me. And I think that's why I ultimately gave it a rotten, but when it comes right down to it, like it's a very good looking movie, considering that it takes almost, takes place pretty much, completely in this cockpit and so and it's a night it's a nighttime flight so the the lights are very dim and you're lit by like that that bluish glow of the the instrument panel and of course i mean it's it's the joseph gordon levitt show and i think he really does a great job of crafting a character who is uh very serious very uh very committed to to his job this is not a a john mcclain character at all uh nor is it even somebody like a captain phillips it's a it's a guy who you would not ever describe as uh as charismatic or anything like that he's just a just i wouldn't say even a regular guy he's someone that you might describe as boring or workmanlike or whatever it is um and so seeing him deal with emotions that he that very few of us would ever have to deal with uh is really something and i think joseph gordon levitt does a great a really great job um even though i think the film is flawed it's worth it for for what he is able to do and even when like i said even when the when the plot takes a turn that i don't love he still manages to navigate that uh very well and so once again i think the movie is probably it's probably better than than a rotten so i probably should change that i did have to i did write a review of it so you can check that out but uh i'd say it's probably it probably is worth watching actually
1: uh all right well um speaking of uh camera exactly you said emotions we hope we'll never have to deal with uh my next movie is a documentary uh directed by jean franco rossi it's called noturno um it played afi fest uh but then also as since opened wide or whatever. So I'm, uh, uh, happy to talk about it here. Um, uh, if you know, Jean Franco Rossi's last documentary fire at sea was nominated for a best documentary Oscar. Um, and, uh, uh that one was about the sort of, uh, refugee crisis. Um, uh you know from the uh refugees going from africa to uh to europe uh naturno is a no less uh um heavy uh subject matter It, it takes place. we we learned from an opening title card and now i can't remember exactly um what the four countries are it's like syria lebanon iraq I can't remember what the what the other one are, but he, this, he's like, this is where I filmed this, this is where the opening is. That's the last bit of information we get. We never know for the rest of the film where specifically we are, who exactly the people we're seeing uh, are. But basically it's just a document of day-to-day life under constant, never-ending war. Hmm. Um and uh as it's so obviously very upsetting but as with fire at sea also often indescribably beautiful the 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 the, the countryside and and the light uh uh and, and the, the the livestock like it, it's all uh very very uh beautiful but it was in I'm, I'm paraphrasing my own review here it would, be, it would be wrong to say it's something as like it's um, uh, it's not a it's not trite or platitudinous like it's not saying like uh oh look at how resiliently life goes on like it sometimes it does at some points you just like you do see just like two people having a conversation at a hookah bar while you're hearing gun like automatic gunfire in the uh in in the city somewhere Hmm. else and it's not even slowing them down so there's some of that but also the movie also depicts a lot of trauma you hear like you see you know mothers talking about how they're you know their kids were interrogated and tortured and 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 killed. You've got um, this sort of like group, like children's therapy sessions with uh, children who have seen you know in their entire villages slaughtered in front of them. You know, and they're like. Uh, they're little kids, but they're drawing pictures of people with like their legs chopped off and stuff because mm. that's what they've they, they've seen. Um, you see, there's a one group of people who are uh, sort of writing/slash rehearsing a a play about uh, the things that they've uh, uh, gone through. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of pain, um, uh, and there's not a lot of end in sight. And I think that's kind of what um, Naturno is 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 getting at that like you at a certain point i will not be watching this movie anymore but the people depicted here don't have a light at the end of the tunnel you know and and, yeah. and that leads to different coping mechanisms but that doesn't mean they're getting by hmm. um but uh at the same time like i said the movie's um just unendingly beautiful gorgeous to look at all right. Okay. It's next. Noturno. Noturno. How do you spell that? N O T T U R N O.
0: Okay. Uh, next up for me is a very small movie uh, that looked interesting, uh, so I actively sought out uh, a screening link, uh, and it is called "They Reach," directed by Silas Dahl. Um, once again, not a not a, a perfect film, um, but uh, a movie that is. Very clearly, like if you're at all familiar with Stranger Things, you'll watch this movie and be like, okay, I I get why this was greenlit Um, Uh and how this guy got his budget because it's, you know, three uh, uh, rambunctious uh, youths uh, in a small town who encounter this otherworldly entity through unusual means. and they're trying to figure it out as, as like the evil of this thing is is spreading and slowly but surely, uh, you know, or abducting or just, you know, killing uh, members of the town, very stranger things in a lot of ways. Uh, and it takes place in 1979. So there's this, you know, there's that retro aspect of it. So, you know, it's not really gonna get a lot of points for originality, uh, originality but um, the director really commits to the uh to the premise and it's gorgeous it's a really good looking movie that's something that really struck me you don't expect that with movies that are low budget like this um but i think his his cinematographer who i you know i'm gonna i should probably look at the name of let's see uh i think i even i'm pulling up my James Winters is his cinematographer and uh, and I think he does a really great job as far as horror goes, like the way they they use negative space, the way uh, like I was saying with uh, underwater, the way they use uh, darkness um, is something that I really that I really enjoy. And like, there are moments where the, the, the terror and the anticipation of what could be waiting for a character around the corner or whatever it is, is really drawn out. And those are the moments when when the film really shines. There are, there are other moments uh, often like when it's dealing with comic relief, it's like functional at best. Uh, But like when it's dealing with character relationships, that's kind of fun. Though I think the three main actors are a little bit self-conscious, but after a while you kind of, you kind of get used to their performances and stuff. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I, I could see, I could see plenty of people really not liking the movie and just thinking it's a ripoff of stranger things. But again, um, I think more than anything, it's the kind of thing that as I, as I was watching and I was like, I want to see more from this director when he has not even necessarily more of a budget, but just as he develops as a storyteller, uh, and as a director of actors, because, uh, cause there's a lot here and there are multiple occasions where, as I was watching and I was like, I'm really engaged and tense and frightened by what we've, what I've seen and what I'm going to see. And so, uh, you know, that's something, so for something that, that, again it is so derivative you don't usually think of something that's derivative as, as being genuinely frightening and engaging but i think that but the film really was for me so uh i'd say i'd say keep your expectations relatively low but uh but do do check it out cuz i think it's worth watching
1: uh all right my penultimate pick is uh, uh another woodbound thriller but unlike alone which i described as rousing Uh, Sean Linden's Hunter Hunter is a, uh, uh, shockingly staggeringly bleak movie, Mm -hmm. but not in that self-conscious, miserableist type of, uh, way that, um, that often happens with, uh, um, sort of nasty minded, uh, low budget, uh, horror thrillers. Um, this one, I feel like it, uh, um, it's an intelligent movie that i think comes by its low opinion of humanity very honestly um the 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 premise if uh, i can jog your memory because i did talk about the movie journal months ago um of course uh devon sawa um you know former teen heartthrob now playing a uh gruff nearly middle-aged i guess middle-aged uh, survivalist um De- devon sawa and his wife and daughter live uh, uh alone out in the woods um they live off the land selling pelts and stuff in the near uh, nearby uh town um uh and this is a it's not present as a 20th century movie i'm not saying this is like they're not like hunter trappers like you know from centuries ago this is a a modern age movie uh, or takes place in the modern age anyway that's not the point uh just didn't want to give the wrong impression sure uh anyway so uh they like i said they live off the land and uh lately they this uh, a wolf has been stalking their hunting ground and um eating the animals they get caught in their traps which is a problem because they live they have such a slim margin that uh they it literally could me- mean that they starve during the winter if this if this wolf is eating all of their uh the rabbits and shit that they catch um so uh, uh devon sawa says like look i'm gonna go on a big hunt i'm gonna find this wolf you guys i might be gone a few nights or or, or whatever heads out into the woods uh where we uh, eventually find uh time the wolf is a red herring because what what happens next is Devon Sawa stumbles upon the dumping ground of a serial killer, finds a bunch of uh, um, mutilated uh, corpses um, and then decides, well, now I have to hunt for something else because this is all of these corpses are women. I have a wife and a daughter at home. Like I need to protect my family from a different threat uh, now. Um, And then the, the, so that's basically the premise, but what the movie ends up, doing is a uh not even very in retrospect it, 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 at the time it took me a while to realize that i'd done it but uh in retrospect what happens pretty quickly is that uh at the point that devon Sawa decides that he's going to go after this serial killer the protagonist of the movie changes to his wife back home hmm. um uh you know protecting the homestead um she's still got to worry about this wolf uh yeah. and uh, and stuff i don't want to give uh, much else away about what happens in, in in the movie but um its sense of 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 dread um is is very precise and impeccable The performances i mentioned uh devon sawa um the uh, wife is put by Camille Sullivan. The daughter is put by Summer H. Howell. They're all uh, great. You also got uh, uh, some other roles that I don't want to give too much away about, but um, uh, one character is put by Nick Stahl. It's been a while since I've seen Nick Stahl oh, yeah. uh, uh, in a movie. Um, but uh, the, uh, the movie does not have the... Um, victorious ending of alone i won't go too far uh into it but it manages still manages to uh elicit a lot of emotions uh on its own by being like not just autopilot nihilistic like by finding new depths of like holy fuck <laughs> uh, this is dark and bleak so hmm. um yeah i guess a word of warning because this movie has uh, for this movie's worldview but uh, again, I don't think it's posturing. I think that this is a a, a very very smart uh, and well made movie. Hmm. Hunter Hunter, find my review at BattleshipRetention I also reviewed Alex Weedle in Niterno. I should I should mention you can find those.
0: Yeah, I I wrote reviews for They Reach seventy five hundred, and the up and and my my last film, which is. Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala's The Lodge which uh, I talked about last week when discussing um individual achievements because I think Riley Keo does a really great job um and but it's not it's not solely her movie this is not uh, frankly uh, like 7500 where a lot of it, a lot of the qu- the quality can be tra- traced back to like a singular performance a lot about this movie is really great um where but what I could what I could see is because I, I remember I myself had this thought early on like maybe for the first 15 20 minutes uh, and then eventually I kind of the the film won me over but I remember just thinking like boy this is a a very a very self-consciously serious film Um like a horror movie that seems a little bit ashamed that it's a horror movie and is trying to convince us that it's actually a, a very, uh, heavy drama. Um, but then I, once I realized what it was exploring, I kind of understood why it adopted that tone and, and then I really embraced it. Um, so, Riley uh, Riley, as I mentioned, uh, last week, plays this young woman who's now romantically involved with this guy who has two children uh and uh his ex-wife played by alicia silverstone uh has recently died uh, somewhat recently died and uh so the kids are trying to are are still mourning their mom and then he is involved with this young woman and this young woman he's i think a, a therapist or or a, prof, or a professor i don't remember exactly but he has there's some level or maybe he was writing a book and doing like research into uh cults and a cult mentality and so in that he encountered riley Keo, who when she was younger was part of a a, a cult and has since worked hard to get out of that mentality anyway. So there's a lot going on. There's grief, there's mental illness, there's all this sort of thing. And all of it comes together at this lodge that, uh, that the man played by Richard Armitage that he, ha- that he owns. Uh, and so the, the young woman winds up with the two kids at the lodge while he's actually away, like doing some work kind of thing. And he'll, he'll show up soon. Um, And while they're there, the film really does start to take a shining esque. Uh, I'd say the film owes a great deal to the shining. Actually, you know, there's a snowstorm and all that sort of thing. And they're stuck in one place and maybe the phones are down and, and all that sort of thing. Uh, And so it's tense enough. Again, this could be a drama uh, because these two kids who lost their mom are resenting this young woman. And she herself is constantly trying to keep herself in check and you know, ingratiate herself to these kids. And it's like, well, she doesn't really have a, a solid grounding in how to relate to people. Uh, so there's, so all of this comes together, uh, and the performances are really solid and the writing is really solid, but also just the design of the lodge, the design of the area around the lodge, just the, the pacing of the film, all of it really comes together to be a surprising exploration into mental illness and into this idea. I remember something that in talking about Barton Fink, I remember one of the things that you talked about is something that I really love, which is it explores the idea or the the rather, I would say, patronizing Idea of the working man, you know, and that Hollywood tends to romanticize the working man. And then, as represented by John Goodman, it's like, uh, there's a lot more to this than you might think. Like, you might want to you because when we romanticize something we actually kind of minimize it in a way uh and barton fink certainly realizes that there's a lot more to the idea of the working man uh it's something that i remember about state and maine as well uh it's like oh there's there's a lot more to the, the 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 citizens of this small town um than these hollywood elites uh you know snobs think there is and so similarly i think that like and I said this in my review, like obviously mental illness is something and grief. And, and the, the way the two work together is something that has been exploited in horror from the beginning, basically. Uh, and this is a film that suggests that like, this is a lot more complex than you might think. And incidentally in that complexity, this might be scarier than any schlock filmmaker could ever possibly imagine. So maybe let's take it a little bit more seriously. Uh, and I really responded to that. And it's a film that I really, uh, I was surprised how much, I, I mean, I saw it like over a year ago, I think it was January, 2020 when I saw it. And, uh, and it's still, uh, I still have a pretty good memory of it. It really stayed with me. So uh, I'd say, check it out.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I, I definitely want to, to, to see it because um, I love uh, Riley you however i don't know how you say it um i feel like she needs to she you mentioned the like the working class she so often gets pigeonholed as playing people on the lower end of the economic uh, or mm. cultural uh, spectrum she's very very good in 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 those roles um but it sounds like uh, is this
0: character maybe a little more middle class uh I guess that's one, I guess that's a, a way of putting it. It's hard to, it's hard to classify her, uh, given how she right. uh, was raised, but, uh, but
1: I, I want to see Ravikyo in like a, like a, like a period, like a Regency costume drama, you know, that's what I, sure. I want to see instead of seeing her, you know, she's usually like in a, you know, a bikini with hot
0: pink lipstick, or something,
1: you know, <laughs> there's multiple movies I'm thinking of where she might uh, dress like that.
0: I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at her filmography and realizing like okay yeah no I get it yeah she's in Mad Max and she's I wouldn't say it's a hot pink bikini but she's in minimal uh, clothes in that but and, I don't even uh, just mean
1: that she's like naked. I just mean she plays like characters that would be thought of as trashy I don't think of them
0: yeah, she's necessarily in as trashy but like Logan American, Lucky
1: uh, Logan Lucky American yeah. Honey uh, sure. Yeah is one uh the house that jack built um uh, yeah she's great in american honey by the way oh yeah under the silver lake one of your favorite movies of that year uh the upcoming zola which i saw maybe even before you saw the lodge because i saw it at sunday 2020 uh and still hasn't come out but um all right so we're on to my final one yeah which again i feel like i kind of cheated I try to take into account when I when I pick movies for the Through the Cracks, I try not to be too, like, inside my bubble. Like, I try to look at the wider, like, level sure. of attention. Because if you follow the people I follow on Twitter, you know, and are in the sort of film fan circles that I lurk around the edges of, um, Frederick Wiseman's City Hall is one of the events of the year. Right. But I don't think it got a lot of attention outside of uh outside of that so it's my uh my top pick for for through the cracks part of that is because it was such a surprise to me i've been hard on frederick Wiseman uh in in the past um uh for his movies seeming overly uh dry sometimes to to me but um in keeping with the little like theme that i've uh uh one stumbled into in this episode about humanism um this is uh one of if not the most sympathetic compassionate humanistic films of of the year uh because it doesn't have it's not here to offer a political opinion about how a city should be run or whether or not boston in twenty eight late twenty eighteen early twenty nineteen was being run correctly it's just a four and a half hour depiction of people chipping in people trying people <laughs> doing their best in, in, and believing like the, uh, um, and, and, and everything from the mayor himself, uh, or like I said, now former mayor of Boston, he's our current labor secretary, uh, Marnie Walsh, uh, everyone from the mayor uh, himself to trashmen to, um, uh, um, like what's what i'm looking for inspectors housing inspectors like if someone's building a house like people have to go check out the the plumbing or 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 whatever and, and and sign off of like every job is just a part of it's not even something as clean as a puzzle it's it's just uh they're drops in the same uh pond and they're all uh loosely moving toward the same uh, goal which uh, uh, the the movie is not about larger political goals of of, of change and, and policy but just the ongoing role of politics which is just getting us all through every day you, you know together in each other's company um, uh, uh, it, it's a movie that I could it's four and a half hours and I could have watched a movie twice as long because mm-hmm. um uh partially because uh it's boston accents from top sure. to bottom wall to wall wall to wall floor to ceiling b- boston accents you, you can't go wrong uh <laughs> with that um uh but uh it, it it's also even the parts without accents there are um as this was true in like at berkeley sometimes there are just like long shots of like construction happening or yeah. like i i mentioned on the movie journal the garbage man just tossing stuff in the back of a garbage truck um uh, the 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 movie is so endlessly i've used the word endlessly by the way in like three of my five movie uh things here i should stop that uh but the movie well is this so, one is pretty long uh yeah exactly let's say the movie is so unceasingly there we go passionately interested in human beings um that uh it's i i think uh, uh after a hard year few years life whatever uh in this country it's uh, uh a, a very positive and and useful uh four and a half hours
0: all right well there's there's we 10 it. 10 movies that fell through the cracks hopefully people uh Maybe they've heard uh, heard of some of these. Maybe they haven't, but uh, but yeah, these are movies that we recommend. In my case, uh, there's maybe only a couple of them that I like wholeheartedly recommend. Um, maybe even just one, which is The Lodge. Uh, whereas the others are are flawed, but there's there's something there's definitely something to them that I think people would enjoy uh, or get something out of. So uh, so yeah, next week is the big, the big week, one. right? Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. It'll be a long episode. Probably not as long as our Western Mania episode with Mariah. Be, Probably not. Well, I don't know if we'll ever beat that. I'm pretty sure that it was our record. I don't think we'd ever done four hours and 45 minutes before. I Correct. don't think we'll ever do it again. I'll see what but I can knows? do. Yeah, we yeah. could We could try. We can always try. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, you can find us at com. As we mentioned, a lot of these movies are reviewed there. Uh, and this week I reviewed... Uh Neil Berger's Voyagers, so find that review at battleship pretension.com. Uh you can email us at David about excuse me. You can email us at David at Battleship pretension.com or Tyler at Battleship pretension.com Uh you can follow me, David, on Twitter at pretension You can follow Tyler on Twitter at pretension Tyler,
0: do you have anything to plug? Uh you know what? Uh it occurs to me, maybe I do. Hang on a second. Okay. So I'm going to be, because I'm fully vaccinated, I'm going to be at this year's International Christian Film Festival in Orlando. Um, it will be, I will be there May 19th through the 23rd. Uh, I will be at the morning of May 20th. I believe I will be giving a, a long talk called The Fundamentals of Film, which I, I I didn't name it, but I'm excited because with a name as generic as that, I can kind of do whatever I want, which is very exciting um but yeah i may try to uh obviously depending on uh, people can make their own decisions based on their own level of uh, vaccination and comfort uh but i may work to i may work out uh like a meetup or something like that um oh. if people are in the orlando area
1: it's gonna be i don't know it's, it's gonna be a while before i mean i need to like ease back into sure groups like uh, now that we're talking about um because we'll both... Uh, she's been vaccinated. I will have been uh, fully vaccinated uh, soon. We were talking about, like, this summer... Because we uh, throw barbecues yeah. before the pandemic. On so With somewhat regularity, we'd have, we'd have barbecues. And we're like, we should throw a barbecue. But part of me is like, I need to first, like, go out to a bar with you. And then, like, maybe yeah. dinner with another couple. And then I need to, like, ease back into being yeah. around large groups of people.
0: Yeah, we so our church, uh, which you, you know, before this, uh, met in the auditorium of an elementary school. Now it meets outdoors, uh, at like on, on a, I guess like a ten a, a, a large tennis court or something like that at, uh, at like a rec center. Um, and we're all spaced out of course, and, and everyone's wearing masks, I like it, doing it very well in my opinion. Uh, but We had not gone to church for quite a while. And, you know, obviously there's like grocery shopping and stuff, but like now you're actively part of a crowd as opposed to just being around people doing your own thing. And it's jarring. It's it's jarring. Definitely. Sure. Um, sure. so yeah, it's something to, to, uh, it takes some getting used to. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, what I'll say is, as I said, like, if you are a fan or a listener, what, you know, if, if you're a listener, but you're not a fan, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever you are, uh, to your own level of, of comfort, obviously feel free to email me, Tyler battleship And let me know if, uh, you'd be at all interested in some kind of, uh, meetup in the Orlando area and we can make something work. It'd probably, it'd probably be outdoors, but that's all right.
1: Oh, I hear it's beautiful there um, I don't know what I'm saying I've been to Orlando <laughs> yeah. more than once um, As a kid at least When was the last time, well you've been to Orlando as an adult Yeah, yeah um, I think uh, 2004 Summer of 2004 oh, so wow. I was an adult then, but that was the last time I was in or Orlando Didn't go to Disney World Did, uh, did Universal and there wasn't even—I don't think there was even Wizarding World of Harry Potter at the time. No, not in not in two thousand
0: four. But uh, uh,
1: yeah, but um, all right. Well, uh, other than that, thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.